Alright, what's going on guys and gals, anybody who's listening, this is the Dial Podcast, your occasionally illustrious host as always, JP is in the house with Parker Holmes of the Real Tech Hours Podcast, and we are back once again for week number two of our our new normal for the time being, podcasting a la Discord, uh, we had asked the, the wonderful and always entertaining Mr. Josh Carpenter would be with us tonight, but he had other plans, and so we wish him very well in all of his socially distant indoor activities this evening. But we will carry on. We will chug on. Speaking of chug, let me get some water. Drop that music down. Yes, this is the Dial Podcast, bringing you the very latest and greatest of everything, basically. Sports, entertainment, media, tech. This is the show where we cover the whole radio dial hence the name of the show again as i said before i'm your occasionally illustrious host josh pritchett and with me is parker holmes of the real tech hours podcast the show where we talk about tech during real tech hours and yeah so for everybody who listens to us consistently as you already know if you have any questions comments concerns shoot us an email ask the dial podcast at gmail.com Hit us up on Facebook at the Dial Podcast or on Reddit, r slash the Dial Podcast. I think those are going to be our main, our main forms of communication. Uh, the others have kind of slowly fallen by the wayside just because I'm right now too lazy to uh, worry about them too much, and also we're not rich enough yet to hire somebody to uh, to do it for us. Um, <laughs> to keep up with all the social media stuff. So, um, trying to think of a good way to kind of get started here. My brain, I'll tell you what, my brain's been all over the place today. Um, See, I've been the exact opposite. I've been firing on all cylinders. That's good, that's good. I've done nearly all homework assignments for the rest of the semester. It is included finishing a simulation for one class writing eight pages of my 20 something page report i mean we've been blasting mm. this this social distancing stuff man it's giving me some free time might as well might as well use it to your advantage right so well let's let's That's go right. ahead let's go ahead and jump into that then so we've been kind of we've been at this uh for a good couple of weeks now i would say two 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 or more weeks i'd say is kind of effectively how long we've been doing the kind of social distancing semi self-quarantining for safety reasons type thing um and there are many many more weeks to go of this and so we're not we're, we're definitely not on the back end of this yet but um yeah so i mean for you, what have you found useful to, to fill up your time? Because I know that can be kind of a stressful thing to like be staying inside all the time or like feel like there's nothing to do. So like how, how has that time looked for you like the past couple of weeks, Parker? To be quite honest, I, it really hasn't shifted too much. I've been just really? keeping playing video games. <laughs> uh, I mean, I just have more time to do it now. I've uh i've been trying to knock out all my homework assignments mm-hmm. and, and everything that i have for classes because i just if i don't go to class i have like next to no motivation to do anything because yeah. that's like my main driver is is going to class and not looking stupid 
in front of everybody. So. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I just I got picked back up Minecraft. Uh, friend of mine has a server that I've been playing on. It's the latest update, so I've been in messing around with all that. Uh, obviously, like we talked about last week, Warzone. Although I haven't touched mm -hmm. that recently. Mm-hmm. And then just um. I guess work. I still work. It's Wawa, so we're an essential service. Yep. And yep. we'll be open till the world dies, I probably, guess. Probably, <laughs> I mean, probably regardless. Probably. Yeah, regardless. just like just like over at over at Publix, uh, yes, we'll sir. be open. So, uh, yeah, that's been fun. A lot of changes there. Um, just real quick, like there's no more self-serve coffee. I don't know if you've been into one recently. No, I have not. There's no more self-serve coffee. We have to make the, the coffee for customers now. Mm. Uh, so that's increasing the amount of people we need. There's no more uh, drinks from the freestyle, no more ices, no more iced coffee self-serve. Yep. Uh, we're probably going to eventually get rid of all beverages, and the, the forecast is looking to be just people at register and the products on the racks yeah <laughs> probably not even making sandwiches so wow uh, yeah that's that's the way that it's kind of looking wild. right now mm -hmm. and they've been they've been pretty rapidly changing how uh we're doing things yeah uh, what are they sure. doing over at Publix? because we have we have a Publix right behind my store and one of the managers came in and they're a newer build on their stores so they have that do you have that um uh, new beverage area that they made like the specialty drinks mm. in, in your store. No, they don't but they ha so um, they just finished it in like the store that's directly behind us and they've already closed it Really? Yeah, they finished wow. it maybe like a month or two before all this started happening. Yeah, and it's already shut down It's kind of like a Starbucks kind of style hmm. look. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have anything like that in our store It's mostly it's mostly just kind of traditional traditional style um, over-the-counter you know, deli, bakery, kind of like the one in Avalon. Yeah, 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 exactly okay. like that one. Um, so the main thing that we've been doing, and I, I haven't been at work the past day or two, so I'm not sure if they've made any additional changes. But um, so we 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 were only open for 12 hours now instead of typically right, what is, right. uh, 15. We're usually mm. seven to 10, but it's mm. it's eight to eight now, and so that's that's the cap, mm. um, and those extra. Uh, extra hours uh, on the front and back end are for cleaning and for restocking um, and grocery crews are working around the clock now and so they have new crews coming in as they stay overnight to stock shelves or clean or whatever we have people in the store by seven in the morning to clean the registers with a special cleaner um, the bathrooms get clean all that good stuff um, so there's, there's a lot of procedures that are in place I feel like it could get better especially if we continue to stay open like there's a there's a there's a there's a whole foods in the area i think in winter park that they've put up um plexiglass barriers between the cashier and the the customer um not really not, yeah not so not all the way um down the register lane but right but where just the, like right, right in front right, of where they pay right where, where the right where the transactions happen yeah there's a plexiglass oh that's, my. What my family, that's what my family was telling me anyway and so that, i think that's a brilliant idea i think that's great again it's not going to make anybody like immune to anything right but it'll right. definitely it'll definitely decrease the spread of the spread of the germsies for sure um and so that's uh that's a good step that they've taken also 
Publix, I, uh, Publix isn't the only store, but there are several stores that have days and hours specifically for elderly people to shop in. It's for people 65 or older. So if they're retirement age, um, there's like in one hour of a couple days a week where they can come in before everybody else and get stuff before everybody else. Um, and they still have the, – the, there's there's limits that apply. Every store is different. Some stores will let you take uh, two paper products or one paper product or whatever. But um, the limits, limits still apply regardless of whether you're coming in as a retired age person uh, to get your stuff first or if you're just part of the normal thing. But there's there's kind of – it's interesting, though. It's speaking, speaking just about my work just a little bit. Um, it's been kind of an interesting – thing to see the way that the day has kind of uh, uh, scheduled itself out in terms of like the busyness. So it's always busy the, 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 the first hour and a half of the day, the, the last hour and a half of the day or longer, but then the period in the middle, like the, the six or seven hours kind of in the middle, it's kind of hit or miss like you'll have rushes sometimes but then other times it'll be like mm. there's hardly anybody here it seems like um mm. and it could be because that you know people come in to look for something we don't have it they get like one thing and they leave could be because people just don't want to go out people already have what they need because they've been stocking up but it's been the kind of interesting trend anyway to see oh it's really busy the first hour and a half and then it's just kind of a saturday afternoon level of busyness the rest of the day and then oh the last two hours of the day or whatever and i usually don't close i really only open i really only am there in the morning really the latest i'm there is like four in the afternoon um and so i can't really speak with 100 percent truth to how it's like at night but from what i have been told anyway it's really busy in the morning really busy at night and then just in the kind of the middle of the day it's like it's not the worst so that's very interesting people trying to come in early and come in late, but that's typically when we have like the more high demand items like paper products and whatnot is if we get those in, it'll be the truck Available at night or a, tr- or a truck early, 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 early in the morning. Right. And so that's one of the reasons why they have people stocking shelves all night long is because sometimes those trucks will come in, you know, three hours before we open at, you know, four or five in the morning and they have to stock them before. And as far as I'm aware, actually, I don't know if I want to speak to that, but uh, I was going to say something and I decided not to, but um, <laughs> just reasons. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind of how it's been looking here. But so there's a, just real quick, uh, just, this is a, a kind of a, a, due, dil- a due diligence segment um, regarding the, all the coronavirus stuff. Um, but just in the past day, um, the country with the most cases, new, most um, uh, so the past day, the most new cases was found here in the United States. Um, the most total fatalities the past day was in Italy. Um, and so we're looking at a total of uh, 300 78,000 cases total. That is um, including ones that have been closed. And so you're looking at just over 2,500 active cases, uh, 95% of which are in mild condition. Um, and so the, st- the statistics are definitely still in favor of people recovering. 
Um, so that's a good thing. It's that's that's the thing about again. I think I, I mentioned this a couple times uh, before, but the thing, the weird thing about this the, this illness is that it's it spreads very easily, but it's 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 much less fatal than other other diseases that tend to spread rapidly like this. Um, but it it is painful even if you get it and you know that you get it and you test positive, it can be very painful. Uh, I've heard it described as like trying to breathe with glass in your lungs for some people, and those are some mm-hmm. of those are some of the more serious cases. People who are have mild, like really uh, uh, mild, is kind of a, a very broad term. I think there's like mild, and then there's like really really mild, and then there's like hardly anything at all. And so I think that just kind of depends. I'm not really sure how broad of a spectrum it is, but um, but yeah, so definitely just something to be considering. And again, I would encourage people don't don't freaking go outside unless you have to um pardon me don't go out places unless you have to really the only places you should be considering even going at this point is like to go get gas or to go get like groceries and stuff like there's no need to go to work unless you like you're a grocery clerk or a gas station worker or a a emergency service worker and we thank all those people who do that because keeping us on our feet right now um morally and and physically and and emotionally i think um but man if you've got what you need and you don't need to go out like stay inside because more people who stay inside and practice the whole like social distancing which i think i think physical distancing is a better term because i don't think being socially distant is wise i think we need to try to find ways to like be social and interact with people like we're doing right now but um yeah man again the more people stay inside for a week two weeks three weeks like the sooner we can see this curve start to peak and i've heard some predictions of people saying oh we're going to peak at the end of april or may some people are saying we're going to peak under like more toward like june or july like the, the more we practice this whole like distancing thing and kind of self-quarantine like for safety like the cl- like the more likelihood that we're going to peak sooner and we can start getting the country better and the world even better as a whole sooner and so that's just kind of my my two cents on everything uh for on, on a personal like person to person standpoint but there are there are some broader perspectives to be had about all this and i'll kind of use that as a, as a springboard so we can kind of get into our main one of our main bits which is something that you kind of have some things to share about parker which is coronavirus and businesses as a whole um, I had brought up in our notes, and I, I brought it up. I was actually we we I had a Zoom call with some buddies. We were doing like a Bible study type thing last night, and we were kind of talking before we started about um, like small businesses and franchise businesses um, that are going to have a harder time maybe getting back up out of this um, when it's all said and done. Um, one of them in particular being movie theaters because these are already movie theaters are already having a tougher time because of streaming services and digital digitally formatted media um and so less people are going to see movies in theaters than ever before and so so many movie theaters like every like all movie theaters are shut down right now there's like none of them operating and so if we go like three plus months of this with no movie theaters in service like how is that going to affect them um and from a business standpoint and then how are other businesses with a similar model how are they going to be affected also is kind of so and you can kind of use that as you will to to get into to get into your kind of talking points here yeah so uh 
not to be that person, but like events like these, I always find interesting. Um, you know, it's an interesting time to observe uh, not only consumers and how they're going to behave, but how businesses change. So obviously, this is you know a traumatic event. People are going to die. That's and that's always terrible. Um, but these kind of uh, unplanned for events in in the business world they call them black swan events they're mm. events that have a low probability of occurring but when they do occur their impact is extremely high and it's immediate uh, so things like hurricanes and uh, forest fires or some of the natural disasters or pandemic like we're in now or just a meteor falls from the sky something like that mm. um, and it's always interesting to see just kind of like what occurs, how is society going to shift, how are tastes going to change among consumers after this, and and I think with this one, with the, with the whole coronavirus situation in general, I think we're going to see some pretty some pretty major changes, um, not only in the business world, but I mean as a society as a whole, it's going to be pretty radical, um, just because of just the way that this whole event is, is occurring and, and some of the themes that are come out of it. So uh, like what Josh was mentioning with uh, movie theaters, so movie theaters are pretty much closed entirely. AMC is closed for at least three months. They don't expect to begin operating again until June or July, and they're not going to have, they're not going to play movies till then. Uh, Regal is also shut down. I didn't look to see how long that they were planning to shut down for, but I know that they are shut down uh, here nationwide and it really brings up a question of are they finished is this it for movie theaters are, are they going to be uh fully are they going to be fully done after this because streaming has taken off and has made a huge dent into their business and this could just be the final nail in the coffin that that finally swings them backwards and puts them underground because there's just one, the rise of streaming services and the lack of innovation has stalled growth and turned to decline in the uh, movie sector, in the, in the uh, what would you call that, the theater, the sit in a theater and watch it industry. I don't, I don't know. Um, but also that there's no revenue coming into these businesses and all of their assets are sitting unutilized. So AMC CEO in a recent interview said that there are zero dollars of revenue coming in. And one of AMC's recent launches was their um, AMC streaming service where you can like watch movies uh, that are slightly ahead of their release from DVD. And even despite having that, they're not making, they're just not making money. So uh, it's going to be tough for them but then even beyond that there, there are other businesses that have drastically shifted uh, their models such as Disney who closed all their parks and has fully embraced Disney sure. Plus yeah. as we've seen with Frozen 2 is now available early Onward is going to be available extremely early Onward mm. was still in theaters and normally it takes 90 days after it leaves Onward is going to be available on April 3rd and it's already available to rent um and obviously they're going to capitalize on their content offerings during this time it's the perfect time for them to say hey you're stuck at home for a little while here's disney plus with every single piece of content we've ever produced all in one place mm -hmm. plus you know you can bundle with hulu and the parents can watch hulu and the kids can watch disney plus yeah. and you can well i was going to say bundle it with espn but there's nothing happening over there um <laughs> 
lot of there's but, a lot of uh, there's a lot of rewinds going on right now. A lot of uh, <laughs> and a lot of uh, bowling, <laughs> a lot of bowling and chess. A lot of bowling and chess. Um, oh my. But yeah, even beyond that, you know, the retail landscape has shifted so heavily, and it's moving a lot towards e-commerce. Um, even beyond Amazon, uh, a quick look over at Walmart, I saw a, an article today. Um, that even in this declining stock market that we're currently experiencing with just all the situations that have, have been occurring and, and we've been going for so long, Walmart is still going strong and experiencing massive jumps as their e-commerce uh, business has never been better. They mm. are like flying through the roof and exploding in the usage on e-commerce and, and more customers are ordering online and Walmart is is ready walmart was ready this is basically like walmart's shining moment they have been in the shadows of amazon and amazon prime for so long that uh this is going to be finally their moment with it where they can display their strength in the space but maybe they were a little it maybe it came at a bad time for them because mm. as they are working on their own amazon prime bundle it's called walmart plus hmm. they already do um unlimited deliveries at it for $99 a year but that's yeah, just it's that. just unlimited deliveries there's nothing else inside of it there's no other services nothing else to add to it so it's really not that great of a, of a deal unless you just want somebody from Walmart delivering your groceries every single day which Amazon will do plus they'll give you prime video plus they'll give you prime music plus they'll give you uh, two-day shipping on everything else you're gonna buy and and so um, they could have obviously been a little well positioned but they're obviously gonna they're going to ride this wave and they're yeah. going to capitalize on it. Um, we've also seen Apple close all retail locations globally. So initially it was just those in China, and then they slightly expanded to the greater Asian area. And then not even long after closing them all, they just closed everything. They're yeah. entirely closed. Um, we've seen businesses just experience a major change to their operations, even beyond their revenue streams. So working from home has become the standard as companies engage in social distancing practices. Uh, and this has led to a rise in Zoom, which jumped like $25 in the last two days in terms of stock price. They went from 100 and I think it's 105 to around $130. And they've just flying through the roof, a, a uh, even on the more social side and in people's homes a company called peloton they do um a subscription service you basically buy their uh, fitness workout machine from them mm. and then you buy a subscription and they live stream the classes so you're there with a the professor or you're not there with the professor sorry you're there with a the uh, fitness coach a personal trainer, and yeah right a personal trainer and then there's other people in the class and then you all just work out together but everybody's in their own homes peloton is seeing an, a massive jump in their subscriptions and uh then like keeping with that education could be in for a reckoning so it's it's been a long time coming that education needs to be disrupted there is uh, a certain statistic that you can look at if you look at the um the way the prices increase relative to inflation that's one of the key indicators to tell that a industry is ready to be disrupted so prior to uh we saw with Amazon disrupting retail there, the value offering that Amazon presented obviously was unique, but they also did it better than everybody else. And they presented it for a much better value mm -hmm. than any other competitor offered up to that point. And it caused a major disruption that we saw 
completely shift retail. And now we're seeing education and healthcare have been are basically next in line. They're next on the chopping block for what's going to happen. And this could be that reckoning as we're experiencing basically what is a massive experiment in online education. UCF, where the university that I go to, University of Central Florida, has completely yep. switched to online classes through the rest of summer. I know Valencia is uh, currently, I think they're having, uh, or no, they started up again. That's right. This week they started up again, and they're fully online through the rest of their semester. Um, many other universities around the country are already fully online and, and shifting all their classes to be available through such. And just as we said with businesses, tools like Zoom and web courses are seeing more utilization than ever for these kinds of things. And professors are having to become more comfortable with the internet as they just increasingly the necessity for such tools becomes like unavoidable. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting to see uh, how this is all playing out. And I'm, and I'm excited to see just yeah. The end, the end result. What's going to happen as a result of all this? And, um, and then, and finally, just in terms of actually like coronavirus-related things, we've seen. Uh, so more time indoors means more time watching content, and uh, just like movie theaters, this could be the final nail in the coffin for cable services. So hmm. people are sitting indoors and they're watching more TV than they ever had, and maybe they're going to start waking up and realizing all these tv channels i pay for when there's no sports there's nothing for me to watch because there's just no content there anymore that's not where the innovation's happening yeah so yeah, yeah they're yeah. gonna wake up and realize i'm paying for all this stuff that i'm not even gonna care for so it could be the death of cable uh also and then um not only the direct impacts of coronavirus but we've also seen just other factors as well that have just it's kind of like a perfect storm of of all these different events that's going to cause such a shift in the world as a whole um we've seen the fallout of opec plus which is basically the major oil producing companies over in the middle east and, and in and in europe uh specifically russia at that point um where they couldn't come to an agreement on their production levels mm -hmm. coming up and so now the they're entering a bidding war and the price of oil fell twenty dollars the day after or the day that the markets opened after they had the whole fallout and it's somewhere around 30-ish dollars wow. now it's projected to fall even further to twenty dollars a barrel at some point by april and i finally have seen i've obviously sub two dollar gallons of gas uh i've seen have been in a here for a couple weeks yep. well not a couple of weeks maybe a week in florida but if finally near my house it hit 199 and i haven't seen that since uh the last time i remember was when the close swawa opened because their whole promotion thing is a dollar 99 gas like the first week they open mm. and uh it's crazy that that's an actual price and not a promotion yeah. Yeah. um absolutely yeah, and then we've also seen just this major downward correction in the markets where there are highly volatile swinging from extreme declines and 52-week lows to gaining the next day and then shooting straight back down. Mm -hmm. It's been pretty steady. Like, you can always expect Monday is going to be a decline. Then after the decline, there's going to be a couple of days of, of uh, improvement and then a decline and then improvement to end off the week and then starts over again monday is a massive decline it's just 
it, this has been something. It's been a real show to just yeah. watch this whole thing. Yeah, play out for sure, for sure. Well, I have I have two kind of follow up questions uh, for you after after all of that. Uh, we can kind of we could kind of carry the rest of the podcast through both of these, I think, because I think there's some very interesting discussion here. So you mentioned um, about the gas prices and stuff and the, the, the oil markets and mm -hmm. potential volatility there. And because you, if you have an, an event like this, right. And again, the whole event is interesting, as I mentioned before, because it's, it's, uh, it's the, the pandemic that we're dealing with. It's a, a high spread with a low fatality so that's interesting but still the panic that goes along with even that um like you said causes a lot of volatility and so you you are as we know an avid proponent of electric technology for vehicles for tesla mm -hmm. for all that stuff what do you so we're talking about the, the volatility and, and the, the effects on the oil market with, with all this and how gas prices are dropping. Um, when Can we safely assume, say, that when things start to improve, say maybe we get to the end of June, July, August, probably by that time we will have peaked here in the States. Things will be on a downward flattening trend. Do we anticipate the price of oil going back up? Do we anticipate things like that impacting um, electric, electric, uh, transportation. Like what do you, what do you think, um, happens as a result of all of this with like Tesla motors and, and, and that sort of technology that we, that we deal with. And because you're talking about how, you know, the, the unpredictability of the market right. because of all this. So what, right, it, right. what is their, what is their skin in the game going to be affected by how is no, it? So that's definitely, yes, yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there, but that's, it's, it's definitely, Something that's crossed my mind is is the short-term effect on Tesla, and then the long-term effect. So obviously, Tesla is subject to the, the to the markets as much as any other company, and in fact, they've been quite they've been quite more beaten than any other company mm. out there. Uh, in in terms, I think overall, I think the market has taken like a 23% dip or something like that. We've erased like three years of gains or something like that in in the matter of a couple days. Wow and um it's been, it's been like 23 or 25 percent or something like that in total decline tesla's seen 53 percent decline in stock price since mm. the whole collapse and i i want to say it's uh mostly attributed to the fact that they are basically they're they're so they're so young in terms of just company obviously they've been around for just over a decade which is a good amount of time but in terms of car manufacturers they're extremely young mm -hmm. and they've had to shut down nearly everything so they're just finally i think they're just finally getting their um the, the new factory in china back up to and then higher than the the pre-shutdown levels but even beyond that here in the states they just had to close their um manufacturing center and so it's just like not a good time for them as they were literally just hitting that tipping point of we're producing tons of cars now we just made our millionth our stock price has never been higher we've never had more money to invest in our vision for the future and then this happens and i mean it absolutely wipes them off the board and then oil prices drop so and some investors are like well oil prices are going to climb down how does that affect tesla's uh a proposition that hey look over the long-term life of a vehicle you're going to be paying this much in gas 
and that's part of the factor that we're going to use into uh, how much the car is. Uh, well, that's the, one of the factors that we're going to use into saying, all right, here's why our car costs less over the long term instead of buying a regular gas vehicle. And, and so some people are saying, well, if gas costs less. It's there's not going to be that much of a difference. And so that's definitely, you know, been something that you have to watch out for. But um, I'm just not sure how the whole gas price thing is going to affect Tesla's proposition after uh, everything settles down because it could it could just it, it could have a strong impact not 100% sure but um, it, it really plays around how these companies or how these countries in OPEC are going to uh, I guess end this whole issue that they're having if they come back together and say all right let's let's set the standards and mm -hmm. then let's only produce x amount and let's try to raise prices back up so everybody's not because right now they're just burning cash and it's it's literally who can burn the most cash the fastest it's basically saudi arabia versus russia and neither of them care how much cash they have to spend to burn the other competitor out and then take over the entire market for themselves mm. um but it, it could also be another theory in that I've had about in, this, in regards, actually. In regards to the oil production, you mean? It, right, right. Because, mm -hmm. so basically, Saudi Arabia has, like, the biggest capacity and uh, when compared to the rest of those um, in that whole OPEC plus group. But they say, all right, since we don't want to be, you know, we're going to we're gonna not compete with each other as much as we would in a uh, full-body contact capitalist market, we're going to say... Um, all right, we're going to set production at this and then everybody's going to set their price at this and we're just going to, you know, like play fair and make sure everybody produces their correct amounts. And then certain countries are like, well, yeah, we're not going to produce that amount. We're going to produce more because we want to make more money since we're keeping prices fixed. And so that was a whole fallout there. But it's it's kind of like just they're just burning money in front of each other right now. They're just set up on fire on top of like millions of dollars and they don't care how much money they have to burn through just as long as they last longer than the competitor yeah. then they can come out on the other side and increase the price mm -hmm. um, but one of the other things that i kind of find interesting about the timing of the whole opec plus fallout is uh maybe it's a little more planned than it seems on the surface because uh if we look at oil production here in the u.s it actually just it's peaking it's it's on the steady rise and we're now the largest exporter in the world of oil i don't i'm not sure how aware, really? aware of that yeah we literally wow. it literally just occurred and but most of the country most of the companies in the u.s that are producing oil have only recently been started and so they're younger they don't have as much cash as full-on countries do to burn during times like this when prices are just falling and they don't have a choice but to follow the rest of the market mm -hmm. and it could be a strategy to try to burn them out and just say oh yeah you know the whole time we're friends again russia and saudi arabia are our friends again and, and whatever and the whole plan was originally to just burn out all these u.s oil producing companies uh to try to make uh us dependent on their oil production but but that's just like a sign of kind of like a side theory um that i've been seeing um but yeah, I guess so back to the Tesla question, just to wrap it up here, mm -hmm. I, it, we'll really have to wait and see. We'll really have to wait mm -hmm. and see. I don't know. I don't have enough experience with events like this 
and and I I default to so when it comes to events of of any nature I default to prior experience and when I have no prior experience I default to uh, other people that I respect their opinions on and I and I I follow them as business leaders and I just I haven't seen anything I haven't that's, seen that's anything the there's just nothing there's well, just nothing about this because it's so it's so out there as as yeah. being such a crazy storm of events yeah well there's an article i i'm, I'm looking at right now on, on cnet um about tesla so, so supposedly elon musk is planning to kick off some ventilator production mm-hmm. um in support of this which if honest so which is i think that's great because um if i think if there's a company with the means and also the willpower because he's the one backing it um, mm-hmm. to start really like getting a whole bunch of those because that's the big problem is that there's like there's not enough ventilators for what could be needed to support people who might um, start dealing with this at some point between like now and, and July, August. Um, but yeah, they've definitely got the tech. They've definitely got the manpower and willpower if they can have enough locations open to operate and produce. Um, that is definitely a good thing to have a company like Tesla um, a, a part of the charge anyway in, in, in getting that and getting that going um, but another thing I wanted to get into um, back to kind of like the did some of the digital stuff we were talking about earlier about how mm-hmm. things getting shifted away like you said this could be the death of cable or this could be the death of like um, like traditional kind of like we were talking about movie like theaters. movie theaters getting impacted and stuff but p- specifically in regards to the cable um, and traditional like TV, you said something very interesting. Mm-hmm. You said something about how there's no um, there's no sports going on right now, and so like yeah, there's nothing going on on ESPN. Well, I find it very interesting. One of our first discussions that we had on the show with you and Josh as guests for the first time was about the prevalence of esports in the community, and it's not the ideal situation for esports, but these are things these. Are, Esports have the luxury of doing tournaments and events and things like that online. It's much preferred to do LAN, obviously, like in pro circuits and stuff like that. Right. But that's something that's still a, pol- a, a probability and a possibility to happen. And so it just so happens that just now joining us this evening as a special surprise guest is a great friend of mine. His name is Gabe Norvell. Um, he's And he happens to be um, just recently in the top 3% of Overwatch players in the entire world. Uh, so mm-hmm. big congratulations to him for that. Uh, but I want to welcome Mr. Gabe, uh, the guillotine man, Mr. Gabriel Norville, to the Dial podcast for the very first time, and hopefully not the last time. How are you doing, sir? Thank you for having me. Hey, I'm man, you're pretty half-decent. Pretty half-decent. We're doing great. We were just talking about some fun, some fun stuff with... Uh, with the markets and Tesla and all of this, all of this nuttiness. But so Gabe being, um, it's, 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 it's funny that you're able to, to, to hop into the chat tonight with us. Um, and we kind of have some of this stuff to talk about. Um, but yeah, so how, so you have been passing your time. I know a lot with the overwatching and the gaming. Um, how's that, how have you been kind of, firstly, just kind of introduced, int- introduction to you um how have you been kind of enjoying or spending like the past two and a half three weeks of the uh social distancing practice that we've had here well uh like you said i've been 
playing a lot of Overwatch. Um, and I'm also a musician, as uh, many people who know me know. Uh, I'm mostly a pianist. I've been playing piano since I was about four or so, but I've recently picked up other instruments. Um, so Overwatch and music, I've been practicing a lot of bass in particular, bass guitar. Um, you just bought a bass. I was there a little bit. I was there. Yeah. Yeah. JP actually went there to help me, uh, pick out a bass, go to a guitar center with me. One so of the, one of the last places I went before I got stuck in, stuck inside. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Right. Um, but yeah, what's funny is actually as a result of having more free time and, you know, I went up into uh, Masters is the top 3% mm -hmm. that he was talking about. That's mm -hmm. the um, that's the echelon that's called in Overwatch. Um, I was on a amateur team that, and we were about to go into a tournament this week mm. and then I climbed into masters because i had some more time so i got better and um because of that i was disqualified from the tournament and left my team stranded without a main tank Oof. uh for like with like a week's notice and i had no clue that getting into masters would disqualify me from the tournament wow um so yeah i feel bad for those guys but I'm excited. I really want to get onto a new team. Mm. Um, I am trying out for one this week, which is a little bit less amateur. They actually have a paid coach oh, wow. as part of their staff. Um, so that's exciting. They've actually won tournaments before, oh, sick. Um, and they've made some money. Um, so I have a tryout with them soon. So that's going to be very exciting. So yeah, um, esports are definitely uh, booming a little bit right now because they their main competitor, being traditional sports, mm -hmm. uh, is not around right now, of course. So here's kind of what I want to ask you and let you kind of get into a little bit if you'd like. Um, do you think... Do you think in a, a something like this, Parker was referring to it as what do they call it, Parker? A, bla a black swan. A black event, swan event, where it's like something that has a very low likelihood of, of actually happening, but if it does, the impact that it has is, is significant. Mm. So in terms mm. of in terms of this impact, um, and again, we're 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 speaking kind of broadly here because obviously this is a pandemic; it's a disease. People are sick. People have died. Like that's all very serious stuff. But in kind of a a broad um, looking full spectrum start to start to eventual end since um, as this thing goes on do you think that as there are potential like oh like there's esports things still going on because those are things that can happen online and socially be still being socially distant do you think that's the sort of thing that could start to become a little more mainstream as this goes on from say just uh just being on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch and going on to like, oh, maybe like ESPN is like really getting into showing some of this stuff now because there's no baseball or there's no basketball or there's no hockey or whatever. Like, is that something that you can, based on your involvement in 
like a gaming community like you have at Overwatch, like is that something that you could foresee happening or anybody that you have talked to for that matter? Yeah, I definitely feel like um, this is going to help esports break into the mainstream a little bit more. They've already been doing that for quite a while, of course. Like, um, I'm not a League of Legends player, but League of Legends um, Grand Finals mm. make comparable money to major sports, um, major traditional sports uh baseball basketball soccer whatever um and so it's definitely starting to catch up and um even like last year in the last season of the overwatch league the owl um they had a deal with espn um and abc even uh where they were playing their matches on ESPN. I think it was ESPN 2, so not mm. primetime ESPN. Semi, but, semi-primetime. Yeah, still ESPN. Uh-huh. And their um, stage finals and championships were both on ABC, like the ABC. Um, I, I so it's definitely starting to break that. into the mainstream. Yeah. Um, I... It would be foolish to say esports are going to replace traditional sports. That's definitely not going to happen. Sure, sure. Um, we, and we, when we had we had an esports discussion one of our one of our first podcasts with our 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 new kind of main crew of people. Um, now it's like a general consensus thing that we came to as well. Is like because we were talking about like are esports actually sports? And basically, what we were saying is like we they are sports, just not in the same like vein. It's a different vein. Um, yeah, and so that's kind of like yeah, they're not going to replace traditional sports. Like ob- like obviously, people who have been missing out on baseball and basketball and all this stuff. Like when that stuff starts back up again, people are going to flock to watch those. Um, but yeah, it's curious. It'll be curious to see how esports will stack up to those in a like you said, like a prime time way. Sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead and keep going, bud. Well, I think also as video games become more and more mainstream, uh, casually as a hobby those people Mm. are going to start to get into the sports um you know i don't think there are already a lot of uh collegiate teams in esports um i don't know about any of that outside of the world of overwatch but i know that there are a lot of collegiate level um overwatch teams my team has played against them my former team Mm. has played against a lot of them uh we beat um, I think it was Southwestern or something in a scrim one time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think we're that far off from that expanding down to high schools. Um, Could be. To having regional state high school championships just like you would have for football, basketball, volleyball. I don't think we're that far off. Huh. Um, I think we're going to start seeing that more often in um, – the next five years or so and i wouldn't be surprised if it went like fully mainstream in 10 mm. um that's where i see this going Could is be. collegiate and then bleeding down into the high school and even middle school level to a lesser extent um do you guys but do still. you guys you guys remember a uh, web series on youtube called video game high school do you guys remember that mm-hmm. bghs oh, man. that would be fantastic uh, i think that was 
Did you ever see that game? I think that was before my time. No, it I think that was before a, my it time. It might have been a bit. You gotta watch it. It is I fantastic. Remember, I have rewatched it like three or four times. I remember watching that. When was that part or season one? Probably. I remember when it came out. I remember when it came out. It was like yeah, it was twelve or something like that. Back when we were in high school, it had to be. Yeah. Or no, 2012. That'd be before. Yeah, I would have been. It was definitely been after school, yeah. I moved to Florida, I believe. Which was around about eight years ago. Yeah. But yeah, no, that was, that was the dream. What when I was watching that, that was the dream at the time. Yeah, episode episode one launched May seventeenth, two thousand twelve. So. Yeah, what, man. what was the year you cut out? Uh, sorry, it was May seventeenth, two thousand twelve. That was when season the season one premiered. So, yeah, but yeah, it's a great it's, it's a great great show. It's I it's, feel old. it's super funny. Yeah, I know. Um, basically, give me one second. I'm going to reconnect through my computer with a better mic. Okay. So hopefully my audio yeah, yeah, quality yeah, yeah, will yeah. improve. That's Seven good. years ago. Seven years ago. That's why. Seven years ago. Um, Am I really that old? Lord. I so do remember I, when this came a... out, though, because I, <laughs> I back at the time, Rocket Jump was still a really big thing, mm. and I remember watching a lot of Rocket Jump videos, I, and they kind of fell off after mm. this, at least as far as, as for me. But now I remember, and this is even on Netflix, I think. VGHS is on Netflix. Yeah, it is. All three it seasons. Is. It is, it is. Uh, Alright, can you guys hear me? Ooh. That's much better. Yeah. Yes, sir. That is my gaming headset. Much more. There you go. Much more, there we go. Sorry, that's... that's what top three percent of Overwatch sounds like, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my <laughs> Get off your high horse, there, kid. <laughs> Just your legs. Um, but no, it's the last. This is this is wild. The last um, upload on Rocket Jump was a was a year ago. Really? Yeah. They used to be so fantastic. Yeah, I remember back in like two twenty twin twenty. 2010 was like the heyday mm -hmm. they were mm -hmm. doing they were doing like shorts every month like oh yeah oh yeah man this was this was the good stuff yeah that was good stuff but basically a rocket jump video uploaded and you knew it was lit basically um vghs was a series set in for you gabe since you never saw it um it's a series set in the near future um and it's basically become the world's video gaming has become the world's most popular competitive sport and it's about this kid um who un kind of hap haphazardly gets into like a, a a random lobby with like the best player of the game that he's uh he plays um and he like just totally owns him like on accident um, and it happens on live TV, and then he gets this invite to this high school. To this, it's more like it's more like a, a private school, almost like a, a college, but almost. But it's a high school where they're trained. Like to, a like a school of performing arts, but for video games. Kind of like that, yeah. Yeah, kind of. It's a school. Yeah, it's very yeah, interesting. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. Um, but yeah. So I I highly recommend it. It's funny. It's funny you were you were mentioning about th that possibility of, of things kind of bleeding into the 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 more mainstream in the collegiate world and eventually the high school world. But so for clarification, do you mean like 
actually to be sanctioned as a like sport, or do you mean like more club club format first? Do you think it would I, have to start that way and then maybe become more of an official activity? I it has already uh, become a club activity in some high schools. Uh, I have a friend who coaches um, his high school Overwatch club, um, and uh, I've watched their scrims once, and they're actually pretty half decent. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's like their uh, band teacher, and then he's also uh, uh, he was on one of my old Overwatch teams, and then he also coached his high school club. Um, so it is already starting to become a club activity. So I think the next step from there, aside from expanding into, you know, more clubs and more high schools, uh, I think it would be school sanctioned just as much as volleyball and wrestling and that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, they already have like robotics clubs and robotics teams and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and, um, engineering and stuff like that it's funny so a comparison i've used before is like they they air the spelling bee on espn you know what i mean so it's like right everything yeah it's like esports is way more interesting than spelling (laughs) yeah at least at least more uh, (laughs) at least more uh mentally i don't know about mentally taxing but if they're gonna if they're gonna if they're gonna do if they're gonna air if they're gonna air something like that on espn it's like okay for them to not be open at all mm-hmm. to do that, and ESPN, ESPN has like they've developed their own like uh, um, like esports like section, like division and stuff like that, where they're covering stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's all very interesting. Yeah, that'll be very that'll be very curious to see like how that um, how that all develops with like you know. Um, so just kind of in summary. Um, just so we can kind of get like a broad general statement from, I guess, the two of you. Um, So as this kind of all comes to an end, do you guys think, and I can kind of guess your answer, but I guess some more elaboration if you guys can. Um, Do you guys think that this crisis is something that we're going to emerge from as a more digitally powered world than ever before? Like, do you think that's just like an, an inevitable thing? Don't be shy. Whoever wants to go first. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll go first. Um, a more digitally powered world. Okay, so what do you mean by that? Um, oh lord, a lot. It could be open to interpretation. Like it could, it, we could be talking. So about like, things. more is moving oh, into like online, like like oh, I was mentioning earlier, like shopping happened. and then oh, and god. learning and business. Yeah, hold on. So I just had something happen. I'm not sure what. Some audio, something just happened. I'm not sure where the frick it came from. Anyway, it's over now. Can't hurt you now. Anyway, sorry. Go right ahead. Very good. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess it was. Cut. This is probably less a like epiphany, I guess is what you call it, and more of an accelerant. Hmm. So some of these trends were already emerging. A lot more classes are becoming available online. A lot more business is being conducted online. A lot more shopping is being conducted online. And now that you can't go out, 
a lot more a lot more has to be done online and, and so kind of more accelerating this movement that we've that you've already been experiencing and that businesses have already been seeing into a more digitalized format i guess what you'd call it where transactions occur online there's less face-to-face contacts there is uh less even at this point there's going to be less choice on the side of the consumer as businesses move online and they can consolidate their uh offerings and things like that so um i'd say it's more of an accelerant towards Mm. uh these kind of trends we've been seeing yeah i definitely agree with that i all of the resources that are being utilized were already in place before. It's just that until now, the need for them was extremely situational. And now the situation is for everybody all the time. Uh-huh. You know, So we need it more. But all that stuff was already there, accessible to us. Right. Um, so... I think once this blows over eventually, it will go back to normal and then slowly equalize to the point where it'll be closer to 50-50 in terms of, you know, colleges. I think colleges are still going to be in person. Uh, but they're definitely also going to have online aspects that's been bleeding into high schools as well a lot of seniors have classes in the morning then they go home at 12 get a job and then have online classes in the evening you know Um, so I think you're going to see more of that because online and digital things just help with flexibility yeah and that is something that is extremely valuable mm-hmm. in the way the world works today. Hmm. Do, you, do we think more people would or are going to be comfortable? Maybe not comfortable. Uh, let me rephrase. Do you think more people are going to um, start to prefer online education? I think comfort medium? is the way. I think comfort is the word there to comfort. be comfortable with learning online. Hmm. Um, I, so like I mentioned earlier, uh, before Gabe joined us, we were talking a little bit about, uh, how this, these, all these events currently going on right now uh, with the big one being coronavirus affecting just business as a whole. And then we kind of expanded there and touched on education for a little bit. Um, but, uh, like I was mentioning earlier, it's, it's time uh, education has long been ready for some kind of disruptor the final holdout really for education is a degree the the sheet of paper they hand you at the end to say you've been through the process you've been through the program is their only differentiator from a person on youtube spitting out the same information and then you turning around and using it in your everyday Mm -hmm. life and as soon as you know some of these companies start waking up and realizing maybe maybe we don't need people uh with degrees you know there's we see elon musk at tesla he says if you come to me and you know your stuff i'm gonna hire you on the spot uh maybe maybe this is what we need to move towards and and so i i think this is going to be like the final straw and 
education is going to be hit really hard and we're going to see an amazon like moment in education where somebody's going to come along and they've been working on x program all the way up until this time and well hey now's the perfect time education is nearly fully online let's go ahead and roll it out it's going to be way cheaper for people to get into because it won't have the assets that the school has like the massive campuses the buildings the technology the uh the cost savings of having professors full-time versus having somebody who is currently in the industry like a ceo at some company teach a class for maybe a couple hours out of their week and then they get paid for that on the side and then you have somebody who's actually currently in the workforce teaching a class that's relevant to what they're doing yeah. and so now we have a better professor than the one sitting in the class because even though they have prior work experience and they're doing research this person is running a company and then they're taking that knowledge and sharing it with the students so it's it's something's going to happen and we're going to see a massive shift it's it's going to be not subtle in the slightest time <laughs> I, I really want it to occur also. It's kind of like my thing is is the downfall of F modern education. I, I don't like the current structure uh, at all. It's It doesn't serve every it, – it tries to do one size fits all, and not everybody it's learns the honestly same way. the worst, yeah. Common Core, Common Core, is, one of, Common Core is one of the worst ideas that anyone ever thought up. I'm, Standardized testing I, is completely awful. Not everybody tests well. Not everybody knows the same knowledge. Not everybody applies it the same way. It like certain things like AP testing is now going to be at home, and it, it's going to be completely really like it's going to be free range. They just announced it the other day. All AP tests wow. are going to be at home, and most of them are scaled back. So um, we took uh, it's required when we went to Timber Creek to take a AP Gov class and or not a government and uh, macroeconomics class yep, yep, and yep. i took the ap variants of those i don't know about you josh um but okay so then in the ap exam is at the end of the year and you know how you go to one class for one semester and one class for another semester mm -hmm. and then yep. at the end we switch so that was really difficult on some people for the ap exam including me and i scored better on the class that we had in the second half which yep. was macro yep. versus my ap gov exam yep. and now they're only going to do the material that they've covered so instead of the full class they're covering like a third of the material that they were going to cover on the exam and it's like th these kids are going to be sitting at home taking these exams and i really think it goes to point that the ap system and sat act have been pretty much worthless since the day that they came out because not everybody tests the same you can't just throw a bunch of kids through this one program and expect the teachers to teach it the same the way the students learn to be the same the knowledge they retain to be the same and then come out of the exam and have a score that reflects what they actually know mm -hmm. and i think that's going to be one of the big things is people are going to realize not everybody learns the same when we come out of this so it, the at your own pace learn it how you want to pick which classes you want and what you think will be relevant to you with some guidance from somebody else who knows what is currently relevant in the field is going to make for the perfect educational storm to create a new program to mm -hmm. spawn somewhere it's going to be whatever happens it's going to be interesting and mm -hmm. it's going to be radical mm -hmm. I, I think another huge advantage of online learning is that it teaches you to be a self-starter in a way that standard education doesn't huh. um interesting you know if all your classes are online and you can do them anytime 
as long as it's done by the certain deadline or whatever, you have to discipline yourself to do the work and do it well. Mm -hmm. And even even at a high school level or middle school level, it would be really easy to cheat on a test just by looking up the answers. But if you do that and take the easy way out and then, you know, you're done with that class in 15 minutes every day, by the time you get to the discussion-based assessments or an essay writing portion well, or anything like that, learned, yeah. right, exactly, you screwed yourself. Yeah. And then, then what? You get, you get caught and you get, you know, a bad grade. So yeah. it teaches you to really take control of your own education and that teaches a level of responsibility that's needed uh, in the real world once you get out of high school. Mm -hmm. And teaching real world things is something that famously the school system is quite bad at. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, people always joke about how it doesn't teach you how to pay taxes and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. But one of the strongest advantages of online learning is that, you know, it forces you to discipline yourself. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's... Um... I was, I, Parker, I kind of speak for both of us, I think. But we, we were, I think we were fortunate to have good classes and good, relatively good teachers. Math, math was a little mm, senior year. That was, yes, that was, yes. that was, that was, no, that was, that was, that was questionable. That was fun. But um, generally speaking, it was good times. I was very fortunate and blessed to have good teachers and relatively tame classmates. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's a very curious thing. Does the the school system? Uh, yeah, the the way that it's uh, the way that it's set up is um, it is not evolved. It's it's yeah, man. I don't really know how to. Um, I don't want I don't want to get too political, right? But like we have people trying to push for um, services that are more universalized, right? Like healthcare. Um, and that's one of the big topics about this, so like the coronavirus stuff is like, if say there was some kind of a universalized system in place with our healthcare, there's an argument that it would have been easier to get tests out to people more quickly, that we could have detected things more quickly, we could have started treating things more quickly. Um, and I'm not really sure if I agree or disagree with that, um, because if you look at the education system, it is probably one of the more I can again, I'm no expert, so I could be wrong. Correct me if I am. It is probably one of the more universalized systems that we have in place in our country. And if you take a look at the way that it's running, it's not just hot garbage, right? It's not like that. But there are people who are, um, to put it in the words of Russell Brand, there are people who are being underserved by the system. And there might even be people who are being overserved by the system to a degree that it's like uh, the system is like too convenient for them almost that they're not like they're not getting anything out of it. It's like it's too easy. Like kids who are just like super, super smart or geniuses. And it's just like the pace is too the pace is too slow almost. No, and that's so there's true. there's no like yeah. there has to be some sense of individualism. And so my argument with universalization, which if you go overboard, it can kind of get socialist, which I'm kind of, I don't know, not really down with that. But my thing with universalization of certain systems is that if you can figure out a way 
to make a system universalize, um, such as healthcare or education. And you can do it effectively to a degree where a large number of people are benefiting. And they're not just benefiting minutely or subtly, but the quality of service that they're getting is high. Like, n not only is the level of service high, but, um, the, pardon me, not only is the quantity of service high, but the quality is as well. Then that's a system that I can get behind. The problem is that when you produce something in mass, which when you universalize something, that's basically what you're doing. It's that's universalizing a, a, a service is, is is more of an abstract concept than it is like a like an actual thing, right? Like a health healthcare is a service. It's not an item. Like it's not a, a package you get from Amazon, right? It's a service. And so when you do that, when you mass produce an item, um, typically the quality takes a hit. Not always, but quality is most always going to be higher when a, a product or a service is not produced in mass, but it's say hand produced or something like that. And so uh, interpolating and extrapolating, whichever word there is applicable, that over to services such as healthcare and education, I can get behind the universal system for both of those things. If you were to figure out a way to have something like that, that's a universal service that's designed to reach a very large number of people, more than an, more so than a non-universalized system. But if you can figure out a way to do that while also serving those large quantities of people at the highest possible quality, then I can get behind that. Because I don't know if you guys, either of you guys knew this or not, but my... Um, my family on my mom's side lived in Canada for a year where my granddad was working up there for UPS. And that was, I think, around the time. It was the late 80s. And that was around the time when Canada was trying to fit into their shoes of universal health care. Um, and they, I think they, they have been figuring a lot of things out. And their system is, is, I think, pretty good now. But they were at a point then where they were able to serve a great number of people because of all the people who had access to the service, there were two things that happened. Um, one of them was that wait times um, were very, very long to receive care because you had all these people who, quote, unquote, had access to the care, but the system wasn't properly prepared with the number of people to provide that service. And the second problem that you have is the quality was low, too, because of um, having to look for people to be a part of the service um, taking precedence over having the right people to be part of the service. And so when my grandmother um, was having some health things go on in Canada, I don't remember exactly what it was that she was having, she was dealing with, they actually had to travel back over the border, I think, to like Minnesota or something like that. And they decided to just have her personal doctor be in Minnesota because the quality of care she was getting was better and there wasn't these egregious wait times on her, on her care. And so that's just an example. But again, like I said, if you can figure out a way to universalize a system like that and have it be high quantity with high quality, then I can get behind that. But in my um, humble but unprofessional opinion, um, systems like Common Core um, have yet to do that. Um, and the, the education system as a whole, I think, tends to underserve more than properly serve.
And so that's kind of uh, that's kind of my take on that. I don't know if you guys have anything else to say. I guess that I guess that was my rant for the night. I talked for <laughs> I talked I talked for a long time. I think fundamentally a I think a root of a lot of this stuff going back to education. Mm. Um and this applies to healthcare to a certain extent, uh, in America at least, is we'll take colleges because that's the easiest example. College's okay. main goal is not to educate colleges like the people who own the college, the college itself. Its main goal is to make money. Sure. That's why they put all of their money into major sports like football. They're investing it. They want to make money. That's why they build the giant stadium so they can sell more tickets so they can make more money. Hmm. It's not... The number one thing is not educating people. And that is the fundamental difference, in my opinion, between colleges and high schools, middle schools, elementary schools. Hmm. Of course, they want to make money, too. High schools sell tickets for their football games, too. Right. But education is still the is still the number one. I think part of that is because um, of the faculty. When you look at college professors, they were making very comfortable living. Hmm. So when you go, so when you look at colleges and they have faculty making very good livings, you're going to get the people, you're less likely to get the people who have a genuine passion for teaching and helping others and you're more likely to get people who you know got their masters got their doctorate and then they're just looking for a job to make money and you know provide for their family which is fine don't, don't fault them at all but when you go to middle schools and high schools you look at the teachers they're not making money they're not doing it for the money yeah people people who go the majority into, of them people who go yeah, into secondary education into are not in it for the money most definitely Exactly. Absolutely not. Exactly. So I think that fundamental uh, goal is the root of a lot of that issue. Hmm. Um, is colleges are a business? Hmm. High schools and middle schools, elementary schools, not as much. And we need to find. It's hard to find a balance between the two because, sure. of course. You don't want to underpay your teachers just so you get the ones who are doing it because they're passionate about teaching right. and they would be doing so you, it if you they were also, starving. You also don't want to overpay because then it yeah. comes more about the money. It's I, yeah, exactly. I feel like I feel like in in college it's maybe more about the institution. I think is kind mm -hmm. of what I gather from what you said, and that's that's supported by I think one of my favorite quotes from a high school teacher that I ever had. You remember uh, Parker? Do you remember Barchfeld? Do you remember him? High school physics. I never had him, but I know. I know. Okay, well, he's a legend. He's a legend at Timber Creek. Um, and one of my favorite quotes from him, I have a lot of favorite quotes from him. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard me say, give me give me a long minute. That's that's one of his quotes. Um, but one of my favorite... I have heard you say that. Yeah, one of my, Bible studies one of a my, lot. One of my favorite quotes from him is when you're trying to think about where to go to school, what college, it is more about the degree 
understand the name on the side of the building. And I think that is reflected by that idea that when it comes to a college, yeah, they're there for educational purposes. Yes, because you are going to learn there, but they are going to be more driven by the financial side, by the business side, by the the faculty side, by the, the institutional, maybe even bureaucratic side. If it's a, like a really top notch school, um, then you know your uh, thirty thousand dollar a year English teacher who's trying to help kids pass the SAT at Timber Creek or East River or Colonial or wherever. Um, so I think that's a very that's a very interesting uh, very interesting bit you've brought up there. Um, the, an interesting sure. thing uh, is when you look at high level musical education, um, because that's a different world um, than it's a slightly different world than most colleges. Um, you can learn everything you need to learn about music by gigging and playing live jamming with other musicians talking with other musicians and learning theory online high level musical colleges don't provide a whole lot that you can't get without paying a ton of money to go to that college mm -hmm. to go that school yeah. right but the biggest thing that you get when you go to a fine arts school like I'm blanking on the names of big Ju music Juilliard. schools. Juilliard. Juilliard. Yeah, thank you. Juilliard. The big thing you get from going to Juilliard is the connections. Because then you have all these people. You graduate at the same time. You have your guitarists. You have your bassists. You have your drummers. You have your saxophonists. And you all graduate at the same time. Then you're thrust into the workforce and you're gigging live. You're playing session music for you know recording mm -hmm. uh, labels or anything like that, and you have the connections. And then you hear something from your friend, and he's like, "Hey, I need a pianist for this gig." And then you have a job. That that's what you're paying for when you go to Juilliard networking. and stuff like that. Networking. Right, the networking. Yeah. And I think to a certain extent, colleges um, in other majors, um, to a lesser extent provide that as well and i think that is something that um you don't get to the same level with online education yeah. or um teaching you know elsewhere yeah again like i said i think it all depends on the degree um there are there are degrees in which you're gonna just network out of your mind and then there are others where it's like Maybe I do need to actually go to college to learn about this. Like if it's like a, some kind of advanced engineering or like thermonuclear mm -hmm. chemistry or something like wacky like that, then yeah. Or to be a surgeon. Or to be a or yeah, to be yeah, a freaking surgeon. Being a doctor is a good like example. Go to yeah. school for that. Learn how to properly do that so you don't kill nobody. Um, or kill anybody, sorry, that's a double negative. Um, <laughs> freaking grammar. Uh, but yeah, I th think that's a great point, Gabe, that you've made is like one of the biggest benefits that you get from going to college for some of these degrees is the networking because a lot of these things um, you can learn like on YouTube or like freaking Khan Academy or some kind of online school. Like I know, uh, funny example, Jordan, you're a, pardon me, uh, Parker, you're a big fan of Jordan Peterson. And I was listening mm -hmm. to, a, to a podcast that he was on one of the H3 podcasts he was on, and he was talking mm -hmm. about this online 
uh, university that he has either set up by now or is setting up, I'm not sure, uh, to teach people how to write. But it's set up in a competitive format where you'll take a passage and you'll either outline it or break it down or rewrite it and paraphrase it or write an assessment of that passage. And then your writing will be graded by other people who have also written passages for you to go and grade. And it'll, it's, and it'll, but it's competitive. So, like, there'll be a leaderboard and there'll be like people who get the most points, people who don't get the most points. And so, it's teaching you how to write with competition. That's just one example. But there's, yeah, there's all kinds of ways to learn uh, things that formerly could only be learned on, like, at a school. There's so many things to learn um, online. You can learn anything online now. Yeah, um, especially with majors like social media marketing. Mm hmm. You don't really need to go to college to learn how to market on social media. Yep. There are a lot of resources, you know. Yep. So, yeah, it absolutely depends on your major. Yep. If you, you want to be a surgeon, don't buy high school dissection kit. It's like, <laughs> go to college, yeah. you know. Right. For real, for real. But yeah, yeah so, yeah, I wanted to, uh, just real quick, I guess, I'd touch a, a couple things on Gabe said, and then, and then back to Josh's original point there. So, um... Originally, one of the first things that popped to mind was actually, uh, you guys were talking about uh, teachers' pay and those kind of things, and and then the uh, professors at university. So one of the major problems uh, surrounding that is probably tenure. So mm. once a professor reaches tenure, they they pretty much like have their job for the rest of their life guaranteed, no matter what they do. Pretty much, they just they'd have to do something really egregious to to get fired. And so that's kind of one of the main issues is they're then guaranteed. They, whatever salary they're getting plus their annual raises and other kind of things like that and so it really does add up at the end of the day when you have all these professors who you are guaranteed to have a job when they might not be the best person for the job because there's somebody else out there who's just now getting into being a professor just entering the workforce and they can teach the class better but you can't get rid of this person because they're tenured um, and then another thing when you guys were touching on um, colleges and what you get out of them um while obviously we're seeing a massive shift towards online learning especially right now but just overall in general the trend uh it kind of loses some of the touch that you get the touch and feel aspect of class when you're not actually sitting in a classroom that's yeah. for me personally i i hate online learning i can't stand it i can't take it it's just not the way that i learn i have to sit there in front of a person and have them talk to me and have me talk back to them and that's the way that i learn is is through uh watching and then doing it myself and being able to interact with the professor and um so that's kind of where it, it'll be really interesting to see if online learning can pick that up is uh sure you can sit down and watch half a million youtube videos but uh can you get that touch and feel kind of connection the where the professor is kind of like up in your face challenging you and what you know and what you think you know and making you actually think and apply what they're trying to give to you um and then i guess back to the more original point of just kind of like universalizing things and and specifically uh college so obviously you know you're talking along the lines of e sanders plan of let's make college free for everybody um and, and i I hear since I don't, per, since I have some experience in the college field, but I don't, I'm not a professor, I don't work on the stage, I kind of default out towards the, 
experts that I follow in the field. And so obviously person I mention all the time, Scott Galloway, professor at the Stern School of Business, he's talked a lot about this. And so that's been my main exposure to the changes occurring in college is through him and through the podcast that he is on uh, pivot regularly every two times a week and then other ones that he's been on here and there and he has now which decided to start but anyways he uh his main thing is is trying to shift away from the current college model because obviously uh it's a bit expensive <laughs> to say the least and you really don't get much beyond the paper like i've previously mentioned so uh he once he he's trying to you know bring about some of these ideas that uh college should be cheaper but while it shouldn't be free for everybody i guess essentially because when you move towards a more universalized thing while which josh did mention it does kind of it doesn't necessarily cheapen it it loses the value there's a certain value in i just got accepted into this school and now they're going to teach me and I'm coming out with a degree from X university, which is kind of a more prestigious school than Y university. And so there's kind of like that difference there when the recruiter opens up both resumes and sees them side to side and they see MIT versus South Florida. Oh, wow, this person graduated from MIT. Uh, well, obviously there might not be much difference between the two people and they could have similar experience. It's kind of that luxury brand kind of experience mm -hmm. when you see those two names side by side mm -hmm. because one appears to be uh, higher up like Harvard or, or something or Stanford or some big name school like that. That's kind of like drunk on their luxury brand. Yeah. Um, and so then kind of like uh, I just got Kelly, one of the things that he's been doing is trying to while he is a professor at the Stern School of Business, he's been trying to experiment with other formats. And so one of the things that he's been doing or that he will be doing soon is he calls it a strategy sprint class and he's basically going to teach part of the class that he teaches the uh nyu for only 500 dollars for wow. what would essentially be a full semester of learning and that's like that's that's, that's worth a it. pretty good deal that's, that's a wild. pretty good deal yeah. well, like one semester of regular class i think i pay like two something 200 and someone per hour now so it's about seven eight hundred dollars ish when you finalize everything and that's you know getting it closer to about half so it's not that bad so but i mean obviously it's a much more nuanced discussion and there's a whole lot more that goes into it but it's just kind of it's kind of interesting to hear from people on the outside what they have to say like with josh and then people on the inside like with scott galloway and what they have to say and how they think uh things should run yeah it's definitely yeah there's a lot there's a lot of variables i think is is the biggest uh the biggest like blanket statement that can be made um about that and again it's like it's uh, something gabe said like maintaining the balance um between all those variables which is a very hard thing to do and maybe even closer to impossible than realistic but right um but yeah, well, dudes, I think we're about to wrap up here. Uh, it's been great having you guys on. Um, for everybody who's listening um, to our podcast, um, we're live every Monday night, 8.45, 9 o'clock thereabouts um, on Facebook. 
and the uh, recording of the podcast always goes up the next day, usually by 10 or 11 a.m. Um, and you can find that anywhere, most everywhere you find your podcast. Spotify, Google Podcasts are probably the two best places to find those. Um, you don't need a Spotify premium to, to listen to on Spotify. Um, if you have Google, just use Google because it's easy. Um, and also we, we go through anchor.fm. That's our distribution. And you can just listen straight on there as well if you'd like to do that. But um, I think that just about wraps it up for us here. Uh, thank you guys both for being here tonight. I know Gabe is kind of a late notice one. Thank you for, for dropping in for a bit, providing your feedback on a lot of, a lot of our discussion points tonight. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, you're very welcome. We'll make sure to have you on again. Uh, You guys are both awesome. Uh, Be sure to listen to Parker's podcast, the Real Tech Hours podcast, anywhere you find your podcast, Spotify, Google, Apple, all the good stuff. Um, Listen to his podcast. Listen to our podcast. Listen to all the podcasts. If you have anything to say about our podcast, you can shoot us an email at askthedialpodcast at gmail.com. I am your occasionally illustrious host, JP. This has been The Dial podcast and ladies and gentlemen you may not touch the dial because we are done y'all have a great night